Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a very lovely lady on the show. Her name is Christine McCarran. So do me a favor, stop what you're doing, share this out to everybody. Let's get a bunch of people on here, share it out everywhere and um, stay with us because we're going to hear Christine's story of how she went from zero to hero in, in, from what I understand, a pretty short amount of time. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Christine on. Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Very, very honored to be here. I'm excited to have you here. We met through Justin, right? Breen? Justin Breen. That's him. That guy. That guy. I love that dude. He <laughs> He's is awesome. A, uh, he is he awesome. Is. I had him on Amazon Live the other night. And oh my God. <laughs> oh he's so funny he's he funny he's like uh. he's funny but he's also you know when you interview him like I've, i interviewed him for my podcast and like i'd say something he'd go that's actually a good question and he sort of sounded a little surprised you know yeah, I, mean? I know i love I'm, it <laughs> i'm like i said i love this about i'm like hey um when somebody asks you um i don't know a question like what are your rates? I want to make sure I can afford you. <laughs> he said, I, I hang up on him and I never, never talk to him again. Right. If you have to ask, you can't afford me. That's right. That's right. That's right. So Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks. And um, there's my buddy and pal, Michelle Cavanaugh. So, so, um, you know, I started this a little over five years ago and it was literally, I was stuck in life. And I thought, you know, if I just hear enough other people tell how they got unstuck, I, and I was originally going to call it getting unstuck. And my wife's like, why wouldn't you use your last name and call it breakthrough walls? Isn't it great to have a better half? <laughs> I know. I outkicked my coverage. Um, so, so Christine, I always start with where you, you were born and raised. Start there and tell everybody where, where it all started for you. Well, it was a very inauspicious beginning. I was born in a small town in Massachusetts, and then we moved to an even smaller town in New Hampshire. You know, like they say, growing up in <laughs> obscurity, <laughs> that was my life. Wow. Uh, yeah, bedroom community. We had to drive a half hour to get to a grocery store, that kind of thing. So, I, so New Hampshire isn't the town. It's it's the state. Oh, the whole state. Yeah, I'm just now learning that New Hampshire's not the town name. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, from Texas, everything seems just small well, and significant. <laughs> hey, I grew up in Ohio, and right down the road was a town called New Hampshire, Ohio. I swear. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh my God. Interesting. Yeah. So, 
you can see where I might be confused still as a 55 year old adult. <laughs> well, this was uh, Kingston, New Hampshire. And okay. I would say, have to say New Hampshire because it could be Kingston, Jamaica, Kingston, whatever, you know, right, but yeah, yeah. just Kingston, New Hampshire, tiny little town. So, um, and thank you, Zena, for sharing this out. She's a rock star. So, so, so you, you grew up in a little town. I grew up in a little town, so I know what that's all about. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you as a kid? I mean, were, were you had both parents at home? I, how, how, what was life like growing up as a kid for you? Uh, I had both parents at home, but I was always, I was a nonconformist, a person who just did not fit in. And also, which I think is true of a lot of entrepreneurs. Most. Yes. Yeah. But I also was kind of fighting against that small townness because I'm really, I feel like I was born to be in a city and I was always doing stuff. I remember one time I wanted to go out again and my mother's like, well, you know, you've been out every night this week, you know, ask your father. And so I said, dad, I want to go out. And he goes like, why do you want to go out? And I thought, <laughs> why would I want to stay home? Right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you guys not looked around. like. Right? <laughs> so, so. I can, God, I can so relate to that. As soon as I could, I got out of the small town and moved to a big city. Yeah, me too. I, I totally can relate to that. So when you, um, and I can relate to the nonconformist. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, so when you left, I, I mean, I, I assume, did you graduate from high school? I did manage to graduate from high school. I didn't. So <laughs> it's not a given for sure. No, it's not. <laughs> so, so you, did you go to college then? I went to night school when I left school. I just went, you know, when I, when I left high school, I went right to work. And then okay. later on at a, at the ripe old age of 22, I said, oh gosh, you know, I should probably just go to college. You know, I was feeling bored, I guess. So I yeah went to night school. Night school. And did you, gra did you get a degree? I did. I got a, I would have got a degree if I would continue to pay for it myself, it would have been in like English and psychology. Cause that's what I was interested in But because yeah. I got a job where they were going to pay for it. I ended up with a business administration degree, which is a little dull, but I, it sounds like you were aiming for where all the money is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But also where all the fun is there's an, the intersection of money and fun. That's what I was going for money and fun and <laughs> throw in some English and, um, so, so you, so you started at 22. How old were you when you got your degree at 26? I was 25 actually. 25. Okay. Yeah. I had, well, so we can have a little insert here. 22 was when I got married. Okay. And so I started going to night school and it, it became a big issue with us. You know, he said, Oh, I don't want you to, you know, I'm afraid you're going to meet someone smarter than me. And I thought I shouldn't be. Just that statement means I probably will. <laughs> means I probably already know lots of people. Yeah. So, right. so that became an issue. And unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your uh, point of view, the marriage ended when I was 25. So then I sort of could fast track it and I finished it pretty quickly at that point. Okay. And I think I was still 25 when I graduated. Wow. So, um, and were you were working the whole time? I was, yeah. What were you doing? At that time, I was working at um, a place that made labels. <laughs> you were a label maker. 
No, I was the, uh, I was in customer service for the label makers. <laughs> okay. Wow. People would call me and say, my labels aren't sticky enough and I would have to help them. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big, yeah. big. That was the big time. Right. <laughs> so, so okay. Um, you, you were okay. That's really does not sound exciting at all. <laughs> um, so, so you, how long did you did you do that the whole time you were going to college at night? I'm trying to remember. Gosh, that was so long ago. I actually last week was my 60th birthday. So like these days are like this is like such ancient history, and I haven't talked about it surprisingly. <laughs> talked about it lately but i'm pretty sure i was only there for three years but i know okay. i was there when i was going through my divorce because i was such a dismal yeah that they were trying to get me fired because i was so miserable in my marriage and that's when i realized oh my gosh i'm miserable in my marriage and so i'm making everyone else miserable why don't i just get the heck out of it <laughs> so did, i did. <laughs> did did you did you just say biatch <laughs> am i allowed to say the other one <laughs> you can you can say whatever you want i'm, I'm i don't judge um so so Okay, so you got out of your marriage. Again, I can relate to that. Um, you you moved on and got your degree. Where did things go from there? Because you know your your story is you you went from zero dollars <laughs> net worth to seven figure net worth, um, and I'm excited to hear about that too. But I do want to kind of. I want to hear the beginning stages. What was, what was, um, how did life go after your divorce and getting your degree? Divorce and degree, double D. Yeah. I mean, when I left my, my husband, I didn't have, I don't know why we didn't have anything, but somehow we didn't have anything. So I like the first night I left, I managed to stay in a hotel, but after that I, I slept in my car a little bit. I slept, oh, wow. you know, the whole sad, pathetic story, but that, and that, you know, continued that sort of loser mentality continued for quite a while. And it was what the, the part that you're talking about was when I turned 50, which was like 25 years after this whole experience. Right. Yeah. yeah there's I, I a lot a, of stuff that happened in that 25 years, right? Yeah, that right. Yeah. I, I was, I um, <laughs> became a subject matter expert for a software company eventually. And then I lived overseas for a while. I came back. I started my own import company. Wait, wait, wait. Where'd you live overseas? <laughs> yeah, just in London. Nowhere too exotic. But. Oh, so you didn't have to learn another language. They do speak. Oh, a are you kidding? I, yeah, I definitely had to learn that language. <laughs> the other <Yeah>. English. <laughs> right. Right. So the other English, <laughs> I have, I have a buddy. Uh, we can't, I can't even talk about him. I have a buddy <laughs> over there that he's nuts, like nuts. And uh, anyway, so, um, so you lived in London for how long? Two years. Okay. Wow. Um, why? I was transferred there with my job. Oh, yep. As a subject matter expert, I subject was subject uh, matter. What is that? Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, like I have no idea. I just showed up for the meetings and they paid. Me. I don't, do, do you ever see the, the office? So like I was, I translated between the people who spoke the bank language and the people who spoke the software language. Oh that was me. <laughs> You're like, I deliver the reports to the engineers. I'm a people person. So, <laughs> right? that's, that's my favorite movie. So, so, 
Um, <laughs> so you came back from London. How old were you? And did you ever remarry? Did you what? Uh, no, yeah. you were like, no, that's I'm good. No, I've been there, done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Got so, the t-shirt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you, you came back from London, um, single, ready to mingle and with the same job. Well, actually I quit my job. Oh, while you were I, in London. Well, yeah. As, cause they were going to, the t company was taking, going through changes and stuff like that. So they were going to call me back anyway. Yeah. And I said, and it had become kind of toxic whenever I would go, like people who were there didn't notice it so much, but I was away and I'd come back and I'd be like, Oh, everybody's complaining. And so I was just like, eh. and yeah. so I moved back in with my parents. <laughs> Nice. As at, you do at 25. At, you know. at 20, at 25? It's, it's actually not that unusual now. But You weren't uh, 25. You had to have been older than that. Oh, that's right. So how old was I? You had to have been closer to 30. Yeah. I think I was actually, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. But it was, it was like 2002. Okay. So if we do the math, uh, I would have been yeah. in my 30s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did that in my 30s. I get it. <laughs> So, so, okay. Um, I mean, the, so far your patterns are, I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> just hadn't recognized yet. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you, you are fresh back from, from England, living with your parents, <laughs> jobless, and some kind of a mosh posh of, of an accent, I'm sure at this point, <laughs> like, you're like, I don't know if I should have the Boston accent, the English. The, um, so, so, okay. Where did things, where did things go from there from living at mom and dad's? So I decided, I just feel like in retrospect, I was just so naive. No wonder I took me a while to make any money. I decided that um, I was going to become a consultant. So I'm like, I'm going to be a consultant. I took this course, how to become a consultant. Okay. And they had you fill out this form, four questions. You know, yeah. what have you done before for work? What do you do for fun? Uh, what are the components of those jobs that you most enjoyed? And if you had, if no matter what you did, you'd make $200,000 a year, what would you do? So I looked back at all my answers and stuff and crossed things out and blah, you know, and I came up with traveling and shopping. And I was like, that's it. I'll be a professional shopper and I'll travel the world buying stuff for rich people. There you go. So I send that into the instructor and he's like, oh, that's actually a job. It's called importing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm an importer. Let's go. And so I started an import company. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> you know, about as well as you'd expect a person who knows absolutely nothing, nothing. about importing. Right. But I flew overseas. I, you know, went to some countries and I actually did the job for two years. Didn't make any money, but it was a, it was a really great, fun experience. <laughs> but you you owned the company? Yes. It was called Hungry Lion Imports. So and you our... went into debt for this. Oh, yeah. And, you know, afterwards, I was like, you know, I could have traveled and just had a great time for two years and lo lost a lot less money. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, so, you know. okay. So you went over to do what? To just to like find some vases that you could import? For yeah, I, I went to. So I went back to Morocco, which was one of the countries that I loved visiting when I was in the UK. Sure. And bought 
some stuff there. I bought like wooden boxes and like the crazy goatskin lamps and all kinds of fun things there. And then I went to Egypt and bought some stuff. And just as a whim for a friend of mine, I got a belly dancing thing, belly dancing scarf. And that ended up being like our big product was belly dancing supplies before the, for, yeah, I was the first person on Amazon to sell belly dancing. For stuff. rich people in the U S <laughs> <laughs> because that's a thing, right? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I mean, I've never thought about it. I'll ask my wife later. Do you think if I got you a belly dancing scarf? Um, okay. So that's crazy. Okay. How, uh, so you said you did that for a couple of years um, and and there came a point where you said, I can't do this anymore. But you know why? It wasn't even the money. It was becoming boring. Oh. Right? I, I started the job to travel and shop. And what yeah. was I doing? Putting things in boxes and, you know, right? I mean, it, this, the fun was, and, and the, the other thing is you go, you have to go to the same country over and over and over again. So yeah. Where's the fun in that? You, I think what would have been really cool is if you were packing these boxes and you needed to put a label on and the damn thing wasn't sticky enough. <laughs> <laughs> full circle. Full circle. And like, I, I the got the non-sticky labels. What the hell? Oh, Ken, you're awesome. That would have been fun. Like that would have been I'm really calling good. customer service right now, you bastard. So uh, you it was the sap that took my job. Let's go. So so um that's hilarious. Anyway, so so you you got bored. I can relate to that. Um you got bored and and you you did you shut it down? I mean, what did how what you certainly didn't sell it. I would have. Was there no, anything no, to no. sell? Well, so the, the, this was actually the kiss of death. I bought a space and I thought, well, I'm going to buy a, you know, a storefront. Oh, and then while I'm sitting around move. packing boxes, I can also have people walk in. And so I did get right. to buy some other stuff. But, you know, then I was like a trapped animal in the store all day pacing around like, you know, blah, 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 blah. that was so. So I sold the building that that was in. Okay. And. I ran into, before I did that though, I ran into a friend of mine. Cause I'm like, what should I do? What can I do with my life? I ran into a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years. And she said, oh, I just passed my real estate test. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I thought it was like 2008. I'm like, isn't this a horrible time to be in real estate? And she goes, well, I'm doing rentals in Boston. I'm like, all right, let's go. So I called her up the next morning and I was like, would you feel like I was copying you if I got my real estate license? She's like, no, of course not. I said, do you think your boss would hire me? And she's like, I'm sure he would. So that day I went, took the, I took the class, you know, you take, have to take, at that yeah, time it was yeah. 20 hours, took yeah. that, passed the test, went and interviewed with the guy. He said, I had my van, right? So I had this big giant van that had big Hungry Lion logo on the side. He said, well, you need a four-seater with a four doors. I'm like, okay. Drove home from the interview, traded in my truck, <laughs> traded in the van, bought a car, picked it up on the Wednesday and started my job. So like in like a week and a half, I went from importer to real estate agent. <laughs> I would have been like, dude, do you know how many people I can fit in my van? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, way more than four. <laughs> like... I mean, the fact that there are only two seats, I, that is like totally doable. That's totally we'll put lawn chairs back there or something. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so you trade in and you started selling real estate. Is that what you were doing? At that point I was doing rentals. 
So I what, had college funny? kids driving college kids around to apartments rented by oh. college kids that were filled oh. with, you know, used food containers and <laughs> right. <laughs> Good Lord, have mercy. Yeah. And yeah. how like you, how old were you at this point? <clears throat> so I would have been yeah, like 45. Wow, driving college kids around looking at rentals. It's a good that, job for a 20-year-old, actually. That sounds like, <laughs> yeah, wow. And you made what commission if they signed a lease for? Exactly. You make half the rental amount. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that does not sound fun. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> so at some point. And and you never got remarried along the that journey. No, no. I I'm I'm in a long term relationship now, but okay. there's no uh, no wedding on the horizon. It's just I really I just don't yeah. see the need right at this point. I'm not going to be having kids or anything. So yeah, I, I mean it. maybe if you had health insurance or something, it might make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's got to be like in your dating profile. <laughs> like you have to have health insurance. If there's no benefits, go like, out. what's the point? Yeah, that's so funny. So um, what's the point? So, so you, okay. So you, um, how long did you do that? Driving college, like the rental thing? How? Uh, it wasn't long before I decided that I wanted to do sales instead, right? Why aren't I selling real estate instead of renting right. apartments? And I actually said to my broker, I said, look, I want to start, you know, why don't, why aren't we doing sales in this office? And he's like, I have a niche. I have a niche. I I'm great at doing rentals. And I, and then I brought him the first commission check from a sale and he's like, Oh, you know, we could get into, we can do some sales. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. So was, I'm still was, a real estate agent and I'm actually a real estate broker now. And that's a big part of my, you know, oh, wow. wealth thing, you know? Yeah. But, so, so this guy that, that you worked for as an agent, did you, is that you sold under his brokerage or yeah. you went to another brokerage? No, I sold under his brokerage for a while. And then oh. I left, that was like a boutique firm. I, and then I, eventually I left there and went to Remax. Okay. okay. <clears throat> um. So talk about, cause, cause there was, there was a moment, I believe, I think from what I can tell, um, there was a moment where you had a shift an awakening, uh, something, what happened? Cause I, I know that there had to be this because I know a lot of realtors and and let's be honest, most realtors sell a couple houses a year and and don't and that's average, not not all. So right, right, I, yeah. don't send me any hate mail. I don't want to hear that. But um, you know, your most realtors struggle. Yeah. The last Did, time I got the the last time I saw the stats, which was a couple years ago, the average real estate agent made eighty eight hundred dollars a year in commissions. That's, that's, that's like one big sale or half. No, not even big sale. Right. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, where did you fall in with, with the whole sales thing? Did you do okay? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I was doing better than that, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but I had still so much debt from Hungry Lion that I was paying off and credit cards everywhere and all that kind of crap. So um, I was not doing great. And that's what happened, right? At 50 years old, I am i didn't feel like I could afford to. Because when I first started working there, I owned two pieces of property that were actually underwater. So yeah. I ended up, you know, it took time. I got out of those, you know, did short sales, da, 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 paid off all my debt. And, and because I didn't feel like I could afford to do more, I was living in a house with four other people, four, no, five other people. So there were two couples and one guy. I did have my own bathroom, so that was a thing. But wow. right, other than that, a four-bedroom house with five other people, all in their 20s, naturally, because who the heck, what freaking 49-year-old is living in that kind of an environment? Oh, and I, so I'm 50, you know, I turned 50 and I'm like, you are a complete freaking loser. Oh my God. And this was in, and you were living with five other people. Yeah. Turning 50. Yes. Christine. Right. That wow. Was, that was my zero period. So wow. I, yeah, That's I turned huge. 50. I spent three weeks wallowing in my own self-pity. And then I went to my aunt's hundredth birthday party. So imagine this. So my dad's one of 10. My and my aunt was the oldest. She was 20 years older than my dad. So we walk into her hundredth birthday party. She's sitting there. She was the coolest person. She was still, she still painted at 103 years old. She did uh, oil painting, still painting at 103. But 100 years old, we walk in. She's got this tiara. She's got a sash that says 100, you know, hundredth birthday. She looked like Miss America. Yeah. Everybody who comes in. So one of 10, how many aunts and uncles and cousins and people do I have in my family? Everybody who comes in, she's like, oh, here comes Brianna. She's, you know, you know, her birthday is, you know, just March 15th and she's going to be eight years old and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, is that Brianna? like, I didn't, I couldn't have picked half these people out of a lineup because I, right. you know, just right. once they get, I knew my cousins that, yeah. I knew that part. Yeah. She was so sharp. And I stood there across the room looking at her and I thought, oh my God, you know, your life is not over. You have potentially 50 more years to get your act together. And so that just like, I was like, I made like a list. What are all the stupid loser shit that you want to get rid of, you know? And, you know, I saw your interview with Brian Tracy, right? Write your goals down, do your yeah. thing, right? And and I started to actually do that, even though I'm sure if you had asked me 10 years earlier, I would have known that that was a thing, but I hadn't actually done it the right way, right? I had this thing, oh, make a million dollars, you know, before I'm 52, yep. or, right? All these stupid goals that didn't have any basis in reality. And then I started to say, okay, what needs to change? And so that same year, I bought my, not my first piece of real estate, but a piece of real estate that was like the beginning of all of this, because now we're at the bottom of the market. It's a foreclosure. Yeah. It's yeah. something I can afford. I got partners, you know, with, and that just kind of like, Fix that one up, sold it, fixed, you know, bought two more, fixed that one, bought two more, you know, and just. So you started flipping them? It was not really a flip. Um, it was because a, a, I was living in them. So it took too oh. long to do them to call it a flip. Oh, but okay. yeah, like a long term flip, which is okay because then you are, when the market's going up, a long term flip is not horrible because you've got the, uh, it's your home. So you've got the residential exemption. Right. You've, you've got the the markets on your side, you know, the, the, the market's going in the direction that you want it to go while you're doing that work. But uh, yeah, so I made some really smart decisions, smart investments, turned some places that, that were ugly into really beautiful, cute, adorable places wow. and had a good time. And then, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, look, I do, you know, I am worthy. I can make uh, money. Uh, I'm not a total loser. Right. right? 
Well, no, I mean, it, it's so I, I think that, you know, setting goals is so important and writing them down, like Brian says, write it down, write it down, write it yeah. down. Yeah. What do you think? Um, just random question. I'm not trying to go back in the past, but what do you think held you down, held you back for so long? I mean, 50 years, like it or not, is a very long time to not be achieving shit. (laughs) Pardon my language, but it's a long time to not not achieve. Like I woke up at 50 and I'm living with five people. People who are just out of college, right? They were just out of college? Oh, yeah. They were in their early 20s. Oh, my God. Including the guy who owned the house was in his early 20s. Oh, my Lord. Have mercy. I know. That's really embarrassing. No, and, you know, it's, it's, it's part of your story. It's not, yeah, I don't think it's exactly. It's, it's what made me what I am today. Right? Well, you're a millionaire today, so right. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But I, 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 I think that for the audience, audience's sake, <laughs> try saying that really fast. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's important to know that because I had Grant Cardone on the day after he finished filming Undercover Billionaire. And, and I said to him, I said, well, you know, dude, it's, it's not, it's not too late. Right. Like, like he goes, I don't know. It might be, it might be too late for some people, you know? And he's, I do, I know what he's saying. I know I get what he's saying. We don't know when this expires. Right. You can look at your, your aunt and say, well, she lived to be a hundred and whatever, but Will I? What if that's not the cards for you? <laughs> you know, well, but you can say that to a twenty-five-year-old. To be honest, I mean, yeah, less right. likely. But you, you, of course, none of us know when it's going to end. Yes, right, right, right. So, so that's what I'm trying to say is is tell people that it's not too late. Like, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. And if, I mean, it might feel too late. I've actually had people like 38 say to me, oh, I'm too old to go back to school. Like, seriously? 38. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, oh, okay. So you spend the next 38 years of your life doing that, right? I mean, come on. The, you, we're you don't here think to like, about it. You just don't think. I turned 55 on July 17th. And oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Well, yeah, just, and I was like, God, I want, I, I didn't think I was going to live this long. <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, you know, you just don't, it comes though. Right. Yeah. But you're right. It seems so old when you're young. You're like, Oh my God, I'm going to just be like, so I'll be, if I, might, I never thought I was going to live past 21 when I was in school, when I was in high school. And I thought, Oh, 21 is my expiration date. But Same. so then at 22, I'm like, now what? And that's probably why I got married at 22 because I was like, eh, I might as well. I'm gonna, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm what else gonna die soon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think though that people people need to realize that anything's possible. So talk about you. So you were 51, 52 years old when you started buying real estate, and 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 you so you weren't flipping it wouldn't have been called flipping you were were you just keeping them and renting them what were you doing 
No, it, I mean, it's sort of like a long-term flip. So I bought, oh. I bought the first one. I spent about, you know, a year and a half fixing it up. Okay. And then at a certain point I was like, well, cause I was seeing someone and we were thinking about moving in together and it was like a 600 square foot house. So I'm like, mm, this oh. <laughs> so I sold it and the way the market was, it worked out fantastic. Cause I was able to buy a home with, in the white mountains, which ended up becoming a vacation rental and another primary residence, which I turned into a two family, which, and you know, and it just ended up, it started a really beautiful chain reaction yeah. uh, of, you know, having, passive income, regular income, you know, some that I earned, some that just popped into my inbox, you yeah, know, yeah. mailbox money. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at and, all. But you had, you had asked before, like why it took so long. And I honestly think it's because <clears throat> I had this fear of being different, I guess yeah. you could say. So being better than your family, better than your friends, like you, yeah. you just don't, you, you grew up in a small town like, here's a terrible thing that happened to me. When we were, when I was in the sixth grade, they took three of us and they created our own class because we were so smart. They put us in our own class, just the three of us. Now, can you imagine the ostracization that takes place for a child who's wow. trying to like, just becoming a teenager, trying to fit in with everybody when like you now are like highlighted with a big yellow, you know, marker around your head saying, oh, smarty pants. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. just, it's, so you're just always trying to be like dumbing it down, dumbing it down. And so I didn't, and at the same time, like the, the other side of that is you think, oh my God, I'm so smart. Like no one can compete with me, but you're in a town with like a hundred people, you know, like, oh, I'm right. the smartest person on earth. So I didn't try. I didn't know how to really try and strive for something. And, you know, I mean, no one's to blame for that except obviously me, but right. as, as I got out into the world, I was like, oh, you know, I mean, and which is the complete argument for surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, better than you, more ambitious than you, right? You, you just want to, you never want to be the smartest person in the room because it's, it's stifling. It's, it's not, there's no growth there. Yeah. So when you, along the way, because I, again, I can relate to all of that. <coughs> although, <coughs> excuse me, although I had a, um, an English teacher tell me I would never amount to anything and I've written eight books and she's written zero. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I didn't go to college, but the, the, you know, I can, I can totally relate to that, to everything you just said like for, for somebody to, because I, there, I mean, I, there are 50 year olds, 60 year olds, 70 year olds that, that, you know, don't feel like they've accomplished anything. And and maybe they're afraid to start for the same reasons. They don't want to show off. They don't want, or they, you know, whatever reason, how do you motivate people to start? I feel like it's addictive. So you start off with like a little tiny goal. And then yeah. when you achieve that, you're like, oh, okay, that was kind of fun. Because that feeling, right, that you you know, Ken, the feeling of like achieve accomplishing something, it's just like, wow, that was a rush. That was really fun. I want to do that again. And and then, you know, maybe now it's a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, even if it's like a small thing. I mean, it, for somebody, it could be, you know, running a race or, right? I mean, just winning a whatever, or, or even just accomplishing some little thing, you know, I mean, writing my book was like a big 
thing and, and show it, your book. Let's I, I okay. let's see your book. I want to see your book. My book. Empower okay. your up uh, over empower your inner millionaire, a woman's guide to finance. I'm not feeling a little bit of <laughs> you can you can read it, Ken. It's not a masculine <laughs> a woman's guide to financial freedom through real estate investing. Yes. Wow. You know, okay. even something like that can be a, a goal, right? You could, it could just be to write, write a white paper. It could be any, any little thing that's just going to make you feel like, yeah. you know, speaking in front of a group, maybe you could never do that. And now like, oh, I, I spoke in front of a group. Oh, wow. Or, or just reconnecting with a dream that really fires you up. You know, yeah. something that, oh, I just, you know, when, I, oh yeah, I remember when I was 22, I thought I wanted to do this thing, but now, you know. It, but I left it by the wayside to get a real job. And now maybe I'm a little older and I've got the resources that I can connect back up with that goal and that that excitement that came along with it. And once you get the fire under your butt, you know, it's and a mentor can really help mentors, classes, anything that's going to get you connected with that, with the possibility that, you know, that it could be a reality. Yeah. So do you have rental properties now? Is that is Airbnb that your... style? Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't oh. find I like the, um, you know, <laughs> the long term yeah. tenants as much as I like them. I'm shocked <laughs> that you have a problem with long term commitments. <laughs> like that. Weird, huh? Like oh, I have this tenant again. Oh my uh, god! Hold on, this is face. <laughs> like <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we could turn this into a counseling session. <laughs> I'm just so so that's so but funny. Just can let me just say a funny thing. When I see all these people with tattoos, that's exactly the thing. I'm like, that tattoo is forever, forever. I'm, like there is no way in hell I would get a tattoo. I don't oh have any God. tattoos. Can you imagine? No. Like forever. Every like this arm is gonna no way. There's just no, yeah. I don't think there's a single commitment phobe that would get a tattoo. I really don't. <laughs> so, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I hear you. So, so you, um, this, this all started right around 50 to 52. How, how did you get, how did you wake up the inner millionaire? How, I mean, did you just keep buying and it progressively started adding up? Is that the way it worked, I guess? You know what? To be honest, part of this was because of a friend of mine who had the confidence in me to give me some backing money. Okay. Because in the beginning, you know, I didn't have good credit, surprisingly. I had just given up two houses to short sales, right? I had gazillion credit cards. Even though they were paid off, I still had crappy credit. So I couldn't get my own loan. <clears throat> and a friend of mine said, you know, why, you know, I, cause I said, I, I, I want to buy a house. It's really important to me. I need yeah. to have my own, I need to get out of this, you know, dorm room situation. And she said, well, I'll, I'll sign for the lot for the loan. This is a friend, my friend in Dallas, the, wow. some of the greatest people are in Dallas. Yeah. And she said, yeah. I'll sign for the loan. And so the first house that we bought, it was because of her. And then wow. I was able to, you know, and Ew. then when, when the next house, now I had some cash. Yeah. And so I put down part of it. And then she and her sister put down the other, you know, two thirds. And so we yeah. did basically a burr <clears throat> and then, you know, bought it. I renovated it. Then we rent, we started doing short-term rentals on it. I was able to get an, an, a conventional loan, paid everybody off and it was awesome. And, and that just, yeah, it just kept going like that. 
So, how many Airbnbs do you own? Well, I actually sold some of them during oh. the pandemic because the prices were so good, and uh, I brought them into uh, a co-working space that I'm creating here in in Massachusetts. But yeah, there's still there are still five uh, okay. up, up north. Yeah, okay, in the, in New Hampshire. I I have an off. I have I'm in a co-working space. Not right now, but I I go to one once in cool. a while. So cool. I love those. I just love them. Um, so, so you, um, show your book again. I want to see the title one more time. Sure. Oops. Sorry. I'm going to get the light off of it. (laughs) Empower your inner millionaire. Okay. I love that. Thank you. I love that. When did the book come out? Not recently. Um, 2021, I think. Okay. Wow. So what do you think, in your opinion, what do you think? Because here's the thing. I've been, I've been wealthy and I've been broken, homeless, sleeping in my car. I thank goodness I've never slept under a bridge. I have not yet. Knock on wood. Um, (laughs) I haven't had to sleep you know, outside of my car. And, you know, it's, it's look, being wealthy is better. Like period. It, it, it just is having money is way better than not having money. Um, so what do you think stops people from having it all? And I'm talking about the money, the, 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 emotional freedom, the, the real joy and happiness in life. What do you think is, is holding people back? So that I guess one word mindset, but it's also complacency, right? It's comfort. It's fear. I'm not uncomfortable enough, right? If you're sleeping in a bridge, you're like, man, I got to do something. But if you're, you know, you're kind of comfortable, your job's okay, you don't love it, it doesn't light you up, but it's it's just steady, it's dependable, right? Mediocrity is the killer of whatever it is. What is the, what's the thing? What is the enemy of great, you know, and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that. So, yeah. Yeah, mediocrity is a it's a it's a real it's a problem. <laughs> mediocrity is a killer of yeah. ambition. And that this idea of security, oh, I'm just going to work at this job. I'm almost, you know, like I was 50. I could have said, oh, I'll just, you know, stay here at this place and do this thing because it's good enough. And and until you just say like, no, it's not, am I, do I feel fantastic? Right. Do I feel it's lethargy, right? It's inertia. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, look. I, I'm a, I'm a product of the seventies and eighties as are you. And, you know, there was this weird programming that took place from somewhere, um, that everybody had to, you know, grow up, decide what you wanted to be at 18 to 20 years old, go to college to be that, get a job being that and, and retire from being that and then die. And, and, <laughs> that never excited me. 
<laughs> I don't know why. Which part? <laughs> None of it. None. Like I was always like, I didn't graduate from high school because they said you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. They told me this three months before graduation. <laughs> I knew it, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And apparently it was. And they're like, you have to have that credit to graduate. I'm like, I aced trigonometry, analytic geometry, algebra one and two, advanced algebra, every other college prep course and biology. I hated biology. It sucked. That's why I <laughs> failed and left it. I didn't go to class. And, and they're like, well, you need that to graduate. And I'm like, see, this is stupid. I said, this is really, I literally said that at 17 years old. And I said, well, then I'm out see ya. And I left and I never went back. And I've had a lot of college graduates work for me. They couldn't pour piss out of a boot if the instructions were on the heel. And, <laughs> and like, like, I'm like, what are they teaching you there? Like, cause that's not real life. Like you've, what do you mean? You don't have to knock on doors. You don't have to go cold call or do, like what? Like you got to figure out life, man. And like college, yes, education's important. Those books back there are not there for, for display purposes. I've read those books. I read all the time. And so do you, do you study still? I'm sure you do. Oh my God. Yeah. Every night. Well, and you know, among other books, every night I read two pages of Think and Grow Rich. And when you do, when you do two pages, it gets you through the book twice a year. Yep. Exactly. And right next to me all yep. the time. Yep. And, and I'm in mastermind groups where we read it and I'm in, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those books. It's got a lot of the different foundations that you read when, and, and tons of books have come out of that. Yeah. You know, you'll find like the go giver it's right in think and grow rich, right? The whole, it's the whole, somebody read that and said, Oh, I think I'm going to write a book about that. And off they went, you know, there's just so many. That's my buddy, Bob Berg and John David Mann wrote th that book. Yeah, exactly. They're friends of mine. <laughs> it's a great book. It is so, a great um, but uh, you're right. And, and, and that's the thing is, is so, okay. You study still every day you yeah. study books like think and grow rich. I'm sure you read other books. Oh yes. How important is, um, how important is that to your success? How much do you relate that to your success? A hundred percent Ken. that and surrounding yourself with other people who think the same way. Because, yep. I mean, I'll go out to dinner with like friends or, you know, I'm not really in touch with people I went to school with, big surprise, but, um, <laughs> but you even other friends, you know, reunions? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't been to any, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go out to dinner and they'll be talking about, oh, did you see the bachelorette or whatever? And, and I'll be like, and the whole conversation is going, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what you people are talking about. <laughs> I just sit right. there quietly and do my thing because there's just so much. And then like during the pandemic, oh, it's all death and doom and gloom and blah, 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 blah. And, and people I knew, people in my mastermind groups and stuff, they're like, wow, I found this great way to pivot my business and do this and this and this. So it's, yeah. you know, it's what you fill your head with. And 100%, you have to be intentional about what goes in there. Amen. Totally agree with you. I mean, I love so, when you were interviewing Brian Tracy and every book he talked about. Oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah, I got that one. <laughs> right. I mean, it's he's yeah. he's the epitome of that. Right. He'll just absorb a book and then he just regurgitates it into a nice, easy to read format. Right. He'll read he'll read 10,000 hours of, of books in order to create one book that kind of summarizes all those concepts. 
My buddy Ramey wrote, Can You Really Think and Grow Rich? I spoke to the Napoleon Hill Institute, their 150 coaches yesterday to the whole group globally. There's there's so many spinoffs of, of just that book alone. Right. And and there, you know, uh, there's just there, there's so much more available. And I, I I that's what this show is about, is it's it's helping people get unstuck like and and sometimes they don't even realize they're stuck well that so ken i had read 10 years earlier so say i'm in my 40s and someone said oh think and grow rich so i read it cover to cover oh that was nice put it on the shelf it didn't talk to me at that time i wasn't ready to understand it i didn't read it like the right way and i just it was just all superficial i read it the yeah. way you would read a novel yeah that did that okay did it did that yeah. and I'm still not rich. What's up with that? Right. <laughs> right. You have to, it's mindset. It all comes because because once you get the right mindset, all the resources you need just start flowing into you like magic, you know, like, oh, you yeah. meet this person that's really cool and interesting, and they are mm -hmm. helping you with this, and then you meet this other person, and all these, you know, people and things just start to come to you once you get the right mindset. You're clear about what you want, yeah, and you believe that you can accomplish it that you can receive those things and then you just do right it's like it's magic that's all i i always say uh, you know i wrote this in my first book and and it's a wayne dyer quote who's one of my favorite if not my favorite spiritual teacher of all time um and that is pain is the predecessor of all wisdom and and i think that you talking about you, you you woke up on your 50th birthday living in a house full of 20 something year olds at 50 um she was 50 y'all um so <laughs> just saying it wasn't like, too late for hey, me Justin, thanks for sending me over to ken who made me feel really good about myself um but, so no but like it, you but you woke up at 50 and 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 it was that moment of the moment of clarity came because of the pain the emotional pain of realizing like what the heck am i doing in life yeah. right and, and, well and then seeing my aunt so accomplished yes. and so still with it at 100 and saying you know get over yourself yeah you know 50 is not a death sentence get going you know it's not i I feel like my life is just starting. Yeah. Like I really do. I feel like, man, I can't, uh, first off, I can't believe I made it to 55, but wow. Now that I have, let's go. Guys, the limit. Like, yeah. So, um, Christine, I think you're awesome. Your story Thank is you. incredible. Thank you. Uh, what, what do you, uh, one last question. I, and, and this is, this is a tough one. Um, you know, when I was, when my wife and I met 13 years ago, we opened our first office and I, I've done web development stuff, website development for 30 years. She was global VP of marketing for two $500 million a year companies. And, and it just was like a, you know, great partnership. We start up this company. Um, we hire some employees. We're running on, you know, receivables and cash flow and, and everybody's getting paid except for us. Yeah. And one day a, a guy knocks on my door and says, Hey, uh, boss, there's, there's, there's a guy out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, I'm on the phone. I'm like, beat his ass. You're bigger than me. Go, go. <laughs> and like, what are you talking about? And he's like, he's got, he's got it blocked with his tow truck. And I'm like, Oh God, no. 
they were there to to, to take my car because it had uh, you know and so um i stood there with my employees and watched my car get towed away and and it was quite possibly the most humiliating moment of my life because i'm you know they're all i'm like don't worry you're still getting paid and you know how do you like and so i can remember a moment where i thought what's the point of being here i mean i've done all this work what is the point of even going on and there are people especially during the pandemic that suicide rates skyrocketed. I mean, just went, if somebody called you and they said, Christine, I've tried everything, everything that I know I've tried. I can't figure it out. I can't make it work. I don't know what to do. I'm just ready to give up. What would you say to that person in that moment to help them get through it? Cause you and I know it's going to change, but what would you say to help them? I don't know if I'd have a, you know, a, a bandaid or a, a panacea for that. I would just want to ask them a bunch of questions to kind of reconnect with what brings them joy. Because, you know, the, the more you focus on the bad, the more bad comes, right? I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. I mean, yes. and how, how can you change that mindset with them so yes. that they are attracting some good stuff in so that they're going to get some rays of hope? Yes. And I don't think, you know, like I said, I don't have like a, a white candle to give them, but I would just try to to reconnect them with what what fires them up, whatever, you know, like, why did you go into this business in the first place? What were you hoping to, you know, what was your dream? What was your goal? And to try to fire up some of those excited neutrons again and and get you thinking in the right direction. I'm sure I would hand them a couple of books. Um, Yeah, yeah. One of the people who I coached, um, she was in a horrible relationship. She was felt herself trapped there because she was only working part-time. Yeah. And she said, you know, I just, I, there's nothing I can do. I just lock myself in my bedroom. I hate my life. You know, this is, this really sucks. And we talked it through and talked it through and talked it through and found some things that she is uniquely good at reconnected to a dream that she had as a, as a younger person that uses her unique skill set. Cause you know, we always think we have all everyone else has all our skills plus their own, but it's not true, right? We have to be reminded of what makes us amazing and special and what our superpowers are. Yeah. And the more we talked it through, and then she, you know, so so she we kind of lost touch. She was just like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, think about it, whatever. Right. She texted me, I did what we talked about. I started my business, I left my husband, and things are going great. And it was just like so oh, such an amazing, amazing feeling. And yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing like that. Is isn't it amazing though? And you know, Grant Cardone taught me this probably better than anyone. And that is, you know, if there's if there's negative people in your life, and and sometimes they can be sneaky, like you don't even realize they're negative, but until you really dissect it and go, wait a minute. There's that biology word, dissect. <laughs> See, you uh, do need that in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you really, but you put it, you really put it under the microscope and, <laughs> and you go, wait a minute. They're, they're, they're doing these little passive aggressive things and, and, and these little tiny digs in life 
that that just may not like call you ugly, but they man, it's enough to to you feel it, right? Yeah. And and so you know, Grant says when when you when you've identified somebody like that in your life, you have to cut them out. Like you they have, have to go. Yeah. Period. No matter who it is. I know because it's often a family member it's who's doing it because family. they love you. Oh yeah. Because yeah. they love you. When in love fact, me a little less, would you? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the crabs in a bucket. Like, don't get too big. My buddy Glenn Morshower talks about that all the time. He's like, you know, the 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 um the saying, "Don't get too big for your britches." You know, it's like, well, what? I mean, it's intentionally to keep you down, to keep you small, to keep you at their level. Exactly. And and so I, I think, you know, all the stuff you've talked about, it's it's so important to get around the right people. And you've said that many, many times on the show. Yeah. So important. It's it's vital. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you are the five people, you, you are the sum of the five people who you surround yourself with. Amen. You're the average in, of their income. You're right. So just go meet some better people, some people who are more like the person you want to be. And if you don't, if you can't go to the library because everything you want, everything you want to do has been done before. And somebody wrote a book about it. Amen. So go find it read it 20 times and right. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. I, I, wow. You're right. <laughs> Thank you. Christine. I love to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get to say that very often. So I'm kidding. I tell my I tell my wife, okay, fine, you were right. Um, I hate saying that, but <laughs> anyway, Christine, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being on today and sharing your your wisdom and your laugh, and it's been fun. Ken, it's been awesome. I really love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I'm very enjoyed. grateful to have had you on. Thank you to Justin Breen. Yes. And thank you to anybody watching. And if you shared this out, an extra thank you goes to you. Um, if you didn't share this out, there is time to redeem yourself <laughs> and, and go ahead and share this out. So I'm going to end the live stream. But Christine, if you'll stay with me, Sure. Um, I would love to chat with you for a minute. And then, um, and Zena, Zena is, is on here. My wife is on here. Oh, there, there's my wife. I'm flattered. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but thank you all. Appreciate all of you, Christine. Thank you. Thank Have you. an awesome weekend and make sure you go follow Christine everywhere. What's thank by you. the way, what's your, what is there a website where people can find you? So the easiest one is chrismccarron.com because, you know, like every ridiculous serial entrepreneur, I have 47 websites. But from there, you could you should be able to find, you know, my courses, my podcasts, my real estate stuff, my co-working space. You can probably cyberstalk me from there, whatever. You should okay. be able to connect with everything from there. So uh, hopefully I spelled this right. chrismccarron.com. Yep. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yay. Okay, You're right, there you Ken. go. Somebody <laughs> type that in the comments for me. ChrisMcCarran.com, www in front of it, so it's clickable. Thank you so much. Hey, Karen Griffin. There's Karen Griffin. Hey, how you doing? All right, everybody, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. We'll see y'all soon. Thanks, Ken.